Hello and welcome to the Wonder Baba podcast. My name is Sheena Mitchell. I'm a pharmacist and mum of three. I'm here to chat all about child and family health. In this episode, I speak to Cathy Monaghan from weaning.ie about the importance of nurturing a positive relationship with food in your child. We started off speaking just about school pack lunches, but Cathy spent time explaining the children's food and snack market to me, which helped me so much to understand that fussy eating can be potentiated for financial gain by clever food marketing teams. We look at ways to limit the impact of this on your child's diet and chat about how lunch boxes and positive experiences with food in general can boost their health and confidence throughout their entire life. You will also be relieved to hear an uneaten lunchbox is not the end of the world and the benefit of keeping your child's overall relationship with food a positive one far outweighs the frustrations. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you enjoy listening to a Wonder Baba podcast, I'd be really grateful if you could follow or subscribe and leave a review. It really helps to support the show. Thank you. Today I'm joined by Cathy Monaghan from weaning.ie. Cathy is a mum of three and a senior paediatric dietitian with over 15 years experience in CHI Temple Street. Cathy's goals are to empower parents to encourage a lifelong positive relationship with food by removing the battles of guilt and concern of parents. Cathy provides weaning and toddler masterclasses and webinars as well as one-to-one consultations. All of Cathy's information is based on scientific evidence you can trust the information that you get from Cathy. So Cathy, thanks so much for joining the, the podcast today. Can I just start off by asking you why you do what you do and why is supporting parents so important to you? Thanks very much for having me on. First of all, it's great to be here. I always was interested in food and I suppose nutrition. My mom was a home ec teacher, so I think it was always something that was just part of growing up at home. And it's not just you know, nutrition, healthy eating, whatever. It's the role of food in life, in family life, in society, in mental health, and not just mental health from nutrition, but mental health socially, uh, sitting around the table, involvement, how important food is for socialization, communication, and things like that. So I think, I suppose, the more I see food being kind of hijacked to perfection and you know and the more I see brands and marketing and everything coming in you know that motivates me to try and pull things back to family life being realistic you know say the baby food and beverage market baby kids snacks whatever the you know it's one of the fastest food and beverage markets in the world and you know the companies are getting away you know with making claims uh very expensive products for what you're getting you know so much research goes into packaging for you know, to get into lunch boxes or get into your shopping trolley and it's costing parents fortune. You know, it's very much biased, you know, the marketing and the no guilt, no nasties, hundred percent home cooked, blah de blah. You know, they get they're getting away with an awful lot. So the I'd say the the food and beverage market for kids and babies is regulated in such a way it won't give your child food poisoning, but it's not regulated in such a way that it's the best nutrition or the best socially or going to promote chewing and you know there's I suppose there's 24 steps to eating and it's to take a bigger picture listen to ads read labels and tags on things with your eyes wide open and then I see different bloggers and things you know being paid by 
certain brands and supermarkets to do a supermarket sweep and you just see you know what they're throwing into the trolley because they're getting paid to promote certain foods you know they're not doing what's best for children it's obviously a quick book and do you think with the marketing of it all i think maybe companies are taking advantage of the fact that modern families are extremely busy and stressed out because unlike previous generations most families will have two working parents and be very time poor so the time that maybe used to be spent in the kitchen you know and even just shopping and preparing regular simple food we don't actually have time to do that as much anymore so i think because the marketing is coming in so young when our babies are so young and like say with weaning I do my weaning masterclass but you know so many parents are buying the recipe book for weaning you think you have you know when you're on maternity leave you don't feel like you have any time but you probably have more time than when you go back to work and have more kids and whatever and parents are starting with with raising the bar too high so you know it's like their babies are being weaned in the shelburne with a menu of options <laughs> and whereas realistically we need to lower the bar from the very beginning and relaying the foundations of food so that you know you're going into it with okay uh, I have time now I will not have time next year or the year after or when they're in sport and after school and creche and whatever what is the basic minimum that I need to achieve here what nutrients do I do they need to get uh, what is the what are the quickest simplest foods dinners that I can make that meet their needs nutritionally rather than a tagine with whatever that you never eat yourself you know so if you're starting your child on a diet you know on food that you don't eat yourself it's like teaching them Spanish when you speak English or you know so from the very beginning I'm trying to promote that you uh, eat the same foods that you eat together that yes we're all time poor 100% we're so time poor we have to eat the same food you know it's sustainability say sweet potato doesn't grow in Ireland but it's probably more popular among kids than ordinary potato so you know our kids are being say weaned on sweet potatoes and a few sweet potatoes grow in Ireland but not enough to to so every single sweet potato that comes in is imported our kids are being weaned on to avocado but avocado doesn't grow in Ireland so you know we really need to get back to basics and being realistic and uh, I suppose when it comes to school lunches and things like that start by looking thinking about what did you have in your school lunch growing up easy single sandwiches that was it (laughs) and did it scare you for life or has it impacted your still uh, up for debate Kathy (laughs) (laughs) well yeah Yeah, because that's exactly actually why I wanted to talk to you because obviously anytime the kids are going back to school it feels like a big reshuffle in life and you know you have to kind of gear up between organizing the uniforms and the books and everything and then you're into lunches and you know a lot of children at home might have been picking different things over the summer and you really are down to the fact that you need to get a basic good lunch into them just like you said there stripping it back to simplicity is probably absolutely the best thing to do but it's hard at the moment with I suppose social media having such a big role in our lives because we see all these amazingly curated lunch boxes filled with like I don't know couscous one day hummus the next mine like all I can get my head around is sandwiches but I often look even as I suppose a mom who focuses a lot on healthcare and everything 
I still get the guilt when I see these amazing culinary delights that the kids are bringing in and out to school. Yeah, and at the same time, the person with the culinary delights, that is their job to, you know, their page is about culinary delights and that is them creating content. So, you know, that, that's not real life either. That's their job, you know. So if perhaps they're great at lunch boxes, but if they're if their content was about a clean house, they'd have different pictures. You yes, know, so. it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, and so. actually, I didn't think about it like that. And I work online. You'd think I'd see through it a bit more. You kind of just think, oh, look at that. Everyone's doing yeah. amazing things apart from me. Back in the day, I was lucky to get an easy single sandwich and a bit of fruit. Yeah. And I think the school gave us a carton of milk. For yeah. some reason, I think there might have been a Capri Sun in there somewhere. But literally, I don't even remember there ever being a choice about food any, or a battle or any chat about it any, no there was no chat about it like so it's I uh, don't I don't remember ever, ever having a problem with what I was given I was always just that's lunch and that was happy so it's always this time of year the school lunch chat comes up and you know it is really look at your feed how many supermarkets or brands have little snacky things that are trying to get into your shopping trolley to get into your lunchbox so you know that is fueling it all as well so Whatever you put in the lunchbox, try and take it out of the wrappers if you are putting in, you know, so say I might put in a flapjack or, you know, sometimes I'll have ones that I've made myself, but, you know, sometimes they'll be bought ones, but I never put it in in the wrapper. I always take the wrapper out because kids are brand loyal. So uh, try and remove the packaging. So kids who get fussy will generally, and fussiness is nearly part of development. It's part of, I covered in the toddler masterclass, it's part of we get, uh, I suppose, more aware of the world. And as we get more aware of the world, we get fearful to change. And, you know, kids only like things or like things to be familiar and like less surprising. So the beige foods always look the same. So say crackers always look the same, always are the same shape, always same color, whatever. Pancakes, same color, same shape, reliable, no surprises. Any of the bars out of packets, you know, the expensive kitty bars look the same, same package, same colors no surprises so but then when you put in a strawberry it could be a big strawberry a little strawberry it could be a mushy banana a hard banana a green banana the sandwich could be brown bread white bread a roll a bagel you know it changes whereas the packet stuff always stays the same so natural for our kids to prefer the packet stuff because it doesn't change so one way of uh, removing the brand loyalty is you know taking things out of packets especially for the more extreme fussy eaters you know at least by taking things out of packets your kid isn't walking through the supermarket and demanding that goes into the trolley and that's very interesting kind of yeah because I know myself with my own kids there's certain things that they just run for because I know I've fallen down the trap before of the heavily marketed snack I suppose, empire that sits on our supermarket shelves. I feel like some of those things are almost addictive. Like, I don't know if it's maybe the sugar content from being processed or whatever. I think there's an element of the flavor is so strong, maybe compared to regular natural food. Well, um, it looks more fun as well because it has a teddy bear on it and it has nice colorful things. And it, you know, it has yeah. it has a marketing team behind it, whereas and Apple doesn't have a marketing team behind it. Yeah. So automatically. It's it's more appealing. Yeah. And do you think, I suppose, the difference between the children of today and the children of, say, the 70s and 80s, what's changed that their diet is so different or that they're 
like maybe they're not fussier. Maybe it's just that they have more choices. And as you said, it's an interesting point that, you know, toddlers and young kids like control. And maybe it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's it's Well, like when we were growing up, food was far more basic and similar. So it was probably meat and two veg, meat, potato, two veg in most households. So it didn't change a whole lot. And, you know, there was no ads on the telly for food in between things. There was no ads popping up on their tab- on our tablets telling us what to eat. There was no sports days sponsored by different brands or, you know, so it's the outside influences. Like part of my weaning class is to, before you start your child on solid, have a think about what you're actually trying to achieve. Is it a child that likes the same food that you like? Is your aim that it looks good or that they have a happy relationship with food and they're happy to sit at the table with you and share foods with you and things like that? So you kind of decide, okay, I'm in the driving seat here or I'm going to take in every message that's sent to me and that's going to stress me the hell out. I think that's huge and it really is because setting your standards too high initially because obviously every mom wants the best for their child and I know when I had my first daughter I killed myself making her beautiful <laughs> gourmet fresh cooked food that you know wasn't sustainable. Oh, you probably didn't eat yourself. No I did not. Yeah. <laughs> Don't I be remember daft. One, one mom telling me that you you know a very popular baby recipe book like did fussy you know fussy eating to the level it is today did it exist before weaning and baby recipe books came came out because our kids are being started on food that we don't eat ourselves you know we're setting ourselves up to make different dinners we're setting ourselves up to have no time to cook two different meals we're setting ourselves up to go oh my god they won't eat that and they'll have to use a frozen pizza you know so from the very beginning laying the foundations deciding how things are going to be and it's kind of short-term pain long-term gain yeah industry wants your child to be fussy so that you'll keep buying their stuff yeah it's dark really when you think about it well it's true like if if your if your child eats what you eat that's no use to yeah uh, baby snack food companies or baby yeah if you have gotten to the point so you know you've maybe raised your child on amazing culinary delights and then as they've progressed through toddlerhood and are starting school they've become a lot more fussy and you're now at the point where you're struggling to I suppose provide them with a lunch that's going to give them the health benefits to improve their concentration and focus at school but lunch is only one meal in the day so like lunch does not a balanced diet make you know yeah if you're focusing on each meal you know you're trying to micromanage what your child is eating so you can't judge your child's diet by one meal or one day or you know it's it's like what happens over the month what happens over the week what happens over the year sometimes they'll eat out of house and home sometimes they won't but it's not your job to micromanage what goes into their belly you know your job is to provide the food and then they decide whether to eat it and realistically in school and childcare, you know they have about 30 minutes lunch about five minutes of that is eating time and they have to get outside and I think since COVID maybe it has changed now in schools but for a while there anyway it was you know the yard time had to be segregated so it was on a clock and okay you have 10 minutes outside and then you're back in and you know so eating I suppose is supposed to be a relaxed enjoyable time to chill out but schools don't have that option so if your child's lunchbox comes home uneaten it mightn't be through any you know it's just circumstances sometimes that they're so busy talking they haven't got time to 
come down to relax and eat their lunch that it's just the classroom so busy and teachers are under pressure to get them in get them out get them and you know, so don't judge everything based on one meal so if they come home their lunch is untouched is it a case that you can then offer them time and space you know to eat that when they come home or even I don't know a bowl of soup or something like is it the end of the world if they just really are only picking at their lunch during the day no it isn't at all see that's important so, simple as that so like <laughs> it just yeah, doesn't so matter say, realistically kids might only eat two decent meals of the day so if your child has had a decent breakfast then realistically you know they're fine till two or three o'clock with little bits or if they don't eat a decent bre- breakfast then you'd probably expect them to eat a little bit more in the lunch some days or else they'll be starving when they come in the door so use the hunger phase to your advantage so you know forget about what isn't eaten but say okay they're starving now how can I use this to my advantage so you give them a familiar food and then you give them say a new food on the side that you're trying to get them familiar with so you, we know they're going to like the foods that always look the same that come out of the packet and things like that so they like familiar foods but they only get familiar with foods if we keep offering foods and say for building a lunchbox you know I think carb I think protein I think something fresh so but I know from my own kids that like often it comes home and eaten so I've stopped putting in like things like bananas. I've stopped putting in things like pears because you never get two days out of a pear or a banana. So if the mandarin comes home uneaten, I can just put it in again tomorrow because it's still perfect. You know, so that cuts back on, on food waste. Things that are always eaten, I find, are tray bakes. Uh, so, I, you know, each, I suppose everyone's in a different position with time. But, you know, next week I'm going to stock up the freezer with different tray bakes. And tray bakes, I suppose, are cakes. But you can put in nuts and seeds and, well, different nuts you can't really bring to schools, but say like poppy seed tray bakes or different things like that. But they will always be eaten and I keep them frozen in the freezer and just take it out in the morning and pop one in. So that could be my carb, bit of fruit, uh, you know, maybe cheese and things as well. But I think what you said there about, you know, we can provide the food, but it's not our job to force them to eat it. Like no. children are smart enough to understand their own appetite and if they are really hungry they will nibble at little bits you know they're not actually going to starve themselves realistically so removing that stress you know from yourself like all you can do is provide it and just leave the choice then to them and like if you had the choice would you rather your kid was having the crack in the classroom having the chats with their friends and coming home like having had a great day or that they sat and ate their lunch perfectly, yeah. you know, which is which is more important yeah. while they're in school. Like depends you know, how hungry they get and enjoying themselves, <laughs> and they can eat when they come home if yeah they need to have something ready to stave yeah. off that. And if they haven't eaten hunger. their lunch, they'll say sometimes we go for a walk after school, and I'll say, well, sure, what's in your lunchbox? Sure, let's finish that first. Exactly. Yeah. So really. It doesn't matter. It's one meal a day. Ultimately, it's about not making it a battle and keeping it really positive. Making your life as easy as possible as well. So like we're all working. We all, you know, don't have money to be wasting to throw in food in the bin every day. So keep it simple. Keep it sustainable. Keep it reusable. As in, you know, if the mandarin isn't eaten today, it might be eaten tomorrow or the next day. So we can just keep moving uh, it on. Breaking. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, whereas other, uh, dried fruits, things like that. And I suppose the shopping wise, you know, I probably learned more from the days where I was scraping the barrel. The more pathetic lunch that I've sent my kids to school <laughs> with uh, when you haven't done the shopping and you're really like, oh, my God, I'm nothing. You know, they come home and go, what? 
did you put in my lunch today? And, you know, then they start going, I'm making it tomorrow. Like, I'm not going to school with that because, uh, like, they were so You disgraced me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what can you do? You know, we all have days like that. So, um, I sure look. And like... then that gets them interested in, I'd say, okay, well, let's let's make it together tomorrow then. What would you like in it? And, you know, then a bit of barter kind of, well, if you bring that, then what about this? And then, you know, uh, keep a bit of colour. They don't have to eat everything, but it's a way of making your kids familiar with the food. So, you know, if they get used to seeing the same food in their lunchbox, they're going to get more familiar with it. You're taking the fear out of it. And most schools have healthy eating policies anyway. So, you know, it's not like... Can I ask you about one thing? Yogurts. Kids bringing yogurts to school. Is that a no-no or how? Well, mine don't. I don't because of the mess and uh, haven't. Uh, it's just an extra layer of having to wash the lunchbox that I don't particularly like. Yeah, but I'd be afraid of them being out of the fridge. This is why I've always <laughs> said, no, you can't. They need to be in the fridge. Like, and they're eye rolling at me here in my house going, for God's sake. <laughs> um, yeah, but they're unlikely to go off that quickly. Like technically they need to be. Uh, kept chilled but if you know if they're only in the lunchbox for two hours on a cold winter's day they're unlikely to go off that quickly sometimes I you know the goyo yogurts or the the yogurts in yes the tube, yeah I'd freeze them and put them into the lunchbox frozen so then they're defrosted by the time they eat them that's a very um, good idea I'm gonna do so that that's an easy way frubes of, uh frubes sorry yeah yeah those kind of things you know they're defrosted by the time they get them I, and then so then they won't be able to open them realistically judging by my well, kids. this is it as well and if a teacher has 30 kids in the classroom you can't be expecting them yeah you know it just takes away from school time so it's the same thing if they just had a yogurt with their breakfast or or when they come in from school they don't have to have the yogurt in the lunchbox so exactly okay probably 12 hours of eating time in the day realistically yeah in terms of i suppose foods to put in a lunchbox and foods to avoid Really, you're saying it just needs to be a mix of kind of a carb based thing, some form of protein and some fresh produce, whether that be yep. kind of peppers, cucumbers or blueberries or grapes or whatever your child yep. likes. Um, and even even the ones that they don't like. So you're putting in a bit of color for them to get familiar with the food and that's your job done. And then it's up to them whether they eat it or not. But it's kind of like tick. I've provided it's up to them whether they eat it. Yeah. So stop trying to micromanage. And even when, when you're emptying out the lunchbox, sometimes you don't need to comment on it. You don't need to draw attention to what they haven't eaten. You could draw attention to how much fun did you have in school today? Who were you chatting to? What were you chatting to about over lunch? Did you enjoy yourself? You know, what was the best thing that happened in school today? Rather than you didn't eat your sandwich today. You yes. Know? Yeah. Because no one likes yeah. to have those conversations because realistically... You're jumping straight into negativity. If we compare our food parenting style to, say, schooling and teaching, you know, we are focusing always on the negative. So if your child was in school and the teacher was only telling them what they're bad at and what they didn't do right, we'd be straight into the principal's office giving out to the teacher. <laughs> so we need to acknowledge the positive, ignore the negative. You know, we're drawing far too much attention to the negative. And putting way too much pressure on ourselves as a result. And I know because you can go down a very slippery slope of making, you know, different shaped sandwiches, wraps, rolls, this, that and the other. And no one has time for that and no one has energy for that. They're, if you're shaping them, it means you're throwing half of it in the bin anyway. 
Yeah. Or eating it yourself, which look doesn't yeah. help anyone. I'm just yeah. <laughs> pick, 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 pick. Yeah. keeping the joy in food, really. And as you said, they're focusing much more on the fun times your child is having and giving them a good old feed when they get in if they haven't yeah. eaten the lunchbox yeah. and not to be yeah, focusing on the negatives or having any sort of negative reaction to an uneaten lunchbox. Just keep offering it. End every meal, end every interaction with food on a positive. Great at opening your lunchbox and you're you're great at with your beaker or you're great with your cutlery or whatever. Keep it positive. And a good thing about school is that the diversity in every family's diet means that every child is bringing in a completely different lunchbox. And so the kids are seeing suddenly you might have one child sitting next to you who likes to eat fresh peppers and you're seeing them yeah, eat their fresh peppers yeah. every day. And suddenly, because I know that happened with one of mine, suddenly one of my kids who was very adamant they hate fresh peppers came and said, I'd like some fresh peppers. I like it mm. now. And you're like, OK, I'm not going to question it. Just go with it. So I think yeah. kids are like sheep in a way, um, in a positive way. If if they see another child having a positive experience, they're going to want in on that. And it's it can be a very good influence, I suppose. Food should be a social thing and... It's something that obviously in ideal circumstances can be slow and enjoyed. But I know, you know, as you said, the classroom environment isn't that. So when and you, to, you know, think about also that our relationship with food as parents possibly isn't the best. You know, we have grown up with maybe parents in Weight Watchers or Slimming World. Maybe we're talking about sins. Maybe we're talking about points. Maybe we're not trying not to eat bread. We're trying to lose weight we're trying you know criticizing our bodies in front of our kids so sometimes we're the problem and not the child so it's having a step taking a step back and thinking about your own relationship with food you know so if you see a toddler or a young child they look in the mirror they smile at themselves they they don't see the fault they don't they only learn to criticize the shape of their body by what they're exposed to and that's that can be us that can be whatever social media that can be you know what they're hearing so we're not necessarily right when it comes to all of this you know if children often so you know we can we do one-to-ones and everything where we can look at this with parents but children are often you know they are born intuitive eaters and sometimes it's the complications that we bring in that actually limit them if yeah and an intuitive eater you know might have a great breakfast might be having so much fun in school that they don't have time to eat, but they'll eat when they come home. But that doesn't mean that they've all of a sudden become deficient in iron or, you know, maybe maybe they didn't concentrate on the maths, but their social skills came on at lunchtime because they're having so much fun. Uh, you know, so it's we're micromanaging and we're analysing a lot where maybe we don't need to. Yeah, that makes sense. it does. Yeah, what you say is so important, especially, you know, these children in 10 years time or less or even five years time for lots of people and even some are already teenagers and these are people who are going to have a lot of difficulty being exposed to kind of a lot of unhealthy content relating to food and body image and I think and unhealthy doesn't mean food unhealthy can be mentally unhealthy like you know the incidence of eating disorders has risen in the pandemic and you know that's unhealthy but 
Yeah. So unhealthy just doesn't mean what you put into your body. Unhealthy can be your relationship with food. Yeah, that's what I mean. So even talking about, I know with my own kids, instead of talking about, say, the appearance of my body, I'll try and talk about, oh, I'm getting strong at this or my body's great because it'll do that. Do you know, try and talk about the use and gift that your health and strength is. I know I'm training for the Dublin Marathon at the moment and well now it's it's ropey and I you know I haven't been running during the pandemic at all and I'm struggling so much and the kids are seeing me hobbling around the place and asking me do I need a wheelchair and food has become a lot more fun actually during this period because I'm eating so much to keep up Mm. with the demands on my body and you know, weight has finally been put aside because I've a goal completely independent to it, which requires food and strength and energy. And they're seeing that. And I suppose they're seeing me say, no, I actually I've come in from run now and I'm not going to do anything with you until I cook my eggs and eat my banana. And they just, you know, they're laughing and they're trying because they see me then feeding myself, say I'm I'm trying to eat eggs because actually I love them and they actually fill me up. But trying parmesan and spring onions and everything and they've started picking at these things and mm. I never asked them to because I never would imagine they'd like spring onions and parmesan but like you said they're absolute sponges and they yeah. see you doing something and they they want to copy that and it can just demonstrate the behavior that you want to see yeah and I don't I certainly don't do it consistently so this this little buzz for the last That's real life few as well, months though. yeah And I think there's times, but I think, yeah, you're right. We need to be the role models and hopefully we can build up their security and sense of understanding of food and its relationship, its positive relationship with your body. So that then when they're exposed to all, you know, I suppose, negative connotations with food and weight in the future, in the back of their mind, they will be, well, actually, my body needs food to be strong. It's not something, you know, obviously, look, eating disorders are much more complex and form for a whole variety of different reasons. But by instilling just some bit of positive relationship with food for children without any kind of psychiatric disorder, it it can really, I suppose, make them less vulnerable to social pressures as they grow up. And like our kids learn all about, you know, racism and not being racist and, you know, inclusivity and all that. But same applies with you know judging people by body shape and things like that so all bodies are worthy you know when somebody is labeled fat or something it's like well what's wrong with being fat this is another body shape it's not judging books by covers on you know everybody's the same it's just social yeah. interaction inclusivity everything yeah well just as we'd say a person is not defined by the color of their skin or their religion it's also a person isn't defined by their weight on a scales or their shape yeah yeah exactly oh these poor kids they have a lot to contend with (laughs) well yeah but but it's it's us having our eyes wide open they're fine it's it's what we pass on and what we decide not to pass on and keeping it simple seems to be the easiest way we need to take a breather and say okay you know is my child growing is my child, are they tired? Have they energy? Are they able to take part in sport? Things like that, rather than the micromanaging. So when we were growing up, a lunchbox was a lunchbox. Whereas now lunchboxes have, sometimes have five or six containers and, and compartments and things like that. So the more compartments your lunchbox has, the more pressure you're putting on yourself as a parent to fill each compartment. So, you know, try and limit what you buy to a lunchbox. The lunchbox that 
I bought and found fantastic previously. I had to change it because my child was diagnosed celiac. So we had to swap everything out. So I had gotten replacements last year of a different brand and they fell apart. They just weren't very robust. So this year I I don't like using wrapping in pieces and that. So I've, I actually find something with simple compartments very, very easy because food is kept fresh and there's no need for tinfoil or cling film or yeah. anything. Yeah. So I got into stock online yum boxes and I don't know if you've seen them and I completely agree that too many compartments are boggling. So I only stock one type, which basically has room for a sandwich and then something, you know, a fruit and a veg in our house. But it totally depends on yeah. on, on what your kids will eat. But yeah, it I like it because, say, you can put in if you know your child's going to eat cut up plums or something. Yeah, it'll keep it fresh in there. Um and it, it, it's just so three compartments. Three compartments. Yeah. Yeah. Because some now they do ones and I have been always completely intimidated by them where they have about eight different sections. And sure. And then you're just putting stuff in for the sake of it. I'm like, sure I'd end up putting Cheerios in because I'm like, yes, because <laughs> like, you know, you don't want them opening it between a, an empty. Look, if it yeah. doesn't fit a sandwich, a wrap or a roll or something, it has no room in my house because <laughs> yeah. sometimes we might shake it up with pasta from the night before and we'll put a bit of mozzarella in one of the sections and throw a fork in and you're done that's their favorite yeah. lunch it's so funny yeah. like the, the simple things yeah I think you're right and then they don't want things that smell because someone's going to say it's like the yeah. hummus and all that are great in for lunch but realistically you know my kids love hummus but they won't bring it to school because so-and-so said their lunch stinks oh. um so factor two so you wouldn't want you to know. be the kid bringing in egg sandwiches now, really. Or tuna. I used to go to school with tuna sandwiches. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I survived. You did. Look, if I survived off easy singles, you can yeah. survive yeah. off tuna. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I think, as you say, keeping it simple and, yeah, giving your kids both an element of choice, but, yeah, not letting not letting everything become a complete debate. The food is there. If they're hungry, they'll eat it. And... And it's not a reflection of your parenting, you know, what is in their lunchbox. Uh, some days you will have good days. Some days my disastrous days, my kids got more involved in their lunchboxes and, you know, <laughs> they worked to my advantage. So uh, yeah. go easy on yourself. And recruit the kids to make their own anyway. I've started trying yeah, to do absolutely. that. Very mixed yeah. results. But um, look, I don't have to eat it. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So then they'll, when they when they when you do provide the lunch, they'll be like, oh, thank God I didn't have to make the lunch. I'll eat it now. So I should make it again tomorrow. <laughs> exactly <laughs> top tip top tip you heard yeah. it here first <laughs> Kathy just before we go can you tell me a little bit about your master class yeah so I have the weaning and toddler master class so the weaning is both from when you're starting solids uh, so it's you know before you jump on the commercial train that you can take a little breather and have a look at things uh, so I look at you know what are your aims uh, what are you actually trying to achieve planning ahead and then we look at the nutritional needs of your baby under one different approaches to weaning so it's not just about getting your child to eat it's the bigger picture and then the toddler masterclass is fussy eating does generally kick in around a year and a half regardless of the child regardless of the parent you know it's like a developmental stage so it's how we actually deal with that how we approach it you know there's different parenting styles 
food parenting styles we often take the like dictator food parenting style and that is the one that's uh, least effective so you know i talk about that and they're all redeemed from health insurance because i'm registered with koru and then myself and five dietitians from Temple Street we do one-to-one consultations thank you so much for joining me today Kathy it's been Thanks a complete for pleasure me on, Gina.